0: Matthew, chapter 14, verse 22. Jesus walking on the water. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from land. "'battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. "'And in the fourth watch of the night, "'he came to them, walking on the sea. "'When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, "'they were terrified and said, "'It's a ghost.' "'And they cried out in fear. "'But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, "'Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid.' "'Peter said to him, "'Lord, if it's you, "'command me to come to you on the water.' And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. When they'd crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent word to all that the, all the surrounding distance district and brought to him all those who were sick. And they implored him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak, and as many as touched it were cured. So the title of my sermon is Walking on the Troubled Water's of life. And there's different ways of ministering God's word. You can teach God's word, you can proclaim God's word, but you can also handle God's word prophetically. That doesn't mean you make it mean whatever you want, but you prophetically ask the Lord to take the scripture and to prophetically uh, and purposely apply it to people's lives. So there's an even more of a prophetic application than you would with normal anointed teaching. And that's what I'm hoping to do uh, with this passage for you. Now, when we set the scene here, we see that it was Jesus that told the disciples to get into the boat and to cross over to the other side without him. It was his command and it was his desire. Once he'd done that, he dismissed the crowds and he went alone high up on a mountain to pray. And so there's Jesus. He's high up on a mountain. He's away from the disciples. He's away from everybody, actually. And he is praying. And then down in the valley, we have the disciples who have been told by the Lord to cross over to the other side. And they get in their boats. They're seasoned fishermen, most of, m- most of them, able to, to row. And uh, they start rowing. And As they row and as they get out, the weather changes. They wouldn't have set off in such weather. They were fishermen, they knew what this sea could be like. But when they got too far out to come back, the weather came, and in the New American Standard Version that I currently read from, it says that they were battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Think about this they're on a journey that Jesus told them to do without Jesus. And they set out and things seem fine, but all of a sudden everything changes and the wind and the circumstances are actually against them and preventing them from doing what the Lord had told them to do. Not only is the wind contrary to Jesus' command to cross over to the other sea, but the wind, they are getting battered because the wind is stirring up all the waters and, and it's a terrible situation that they're in. And they are in this position for a very long time. I mean, we can only guess when Jesus told them to go along to the other side, but, but by the time that, that uh, Jesus came to them in the fourth watch of the night, that's like after three in the morning. So th- there was no way they would set off at midnight, would they? So, you know, something's going on here. They've got caught at sea, and they are being battered, and the wind is against them. And uh, what, what I think that this could be is, is a picture of sometimes where we can find ourselves in, in life. I hope uh, many of you aren't there right now, but maybe you know some people are, or maybe you've been in this situation and we can and reflect on it, or, or, or perhaps one day this will happen to you. They were doing what Jesus had told them to do, and all of a sudden they found themselves in a very tiring and difficult situation. They were being battered by their circumstances. And everything the Lord had told them to do, and I don't want to say everything the Lord told them to do, he said, cross over the other side. It seemed quite a simple thing that they were doing. They didn't expect there to be the resistance that they encountered, let alone the battering in a simple command, cross over to the other side. And so here they are, the Jesus that told them to go across conveniently, perhaps, wasn't in the boat. I mean, I wonder if that crossed their minds as they began to wonder what was going on and how were they going to get out of this, and they feared for their lives, and they're like, where's the Lord? And why did the Lord tell us to cross over? And if the Lord was in our boat, then perhaps this wouldn't have taken place, and We thought the Lord was a prophet and the Son of God, and we thought that that He knew everything. And and if He knew everything, then why would He send us in this boat in such a journey and abandon us? They were confused. They were tired. Uh, They were perplexed. They couldn't do what they'd set out to do, and uh, it was dark at night. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations of confusion situations where we thought we'd set off on a journey with the Lord or we thought that we'd taken a decision to do something for the Lord. Maybe you decided to go to Bible school or maybe you went on a mission or, or maybe you stepped out in, in some aspect of Christian life or Christian faith and, and you felt the Lord leading you to do something. Or perhaps the Lord gave you a promise, a promise of destiny or, or, or the Lord called you into some area uh, Out there in the marketplace, uh, and God, and you thought, I'm sure God called me to do this, or to become this, or to have this type of career, or or, or to be involved in this type of ministry, whatever it might, whatever it might be. And and you're pretty sure that God told you to go on that journey, uh, but you find yourself in the place, nothing's working. It's confusing. That which you felt the Lord lead you to do, now you're in a place and you you can't understand why you can't do it. In fact, everything seems to be resisting it. Nothing's going well. You're looking for the light at the end of the tunnel. There isn't one. You're looking for a calming storm and the next wave hits you. I mean, you're being battered and you're confused. And the Lord that that seemed so close to you when you decided to step out on this journey or to pursue this journey, career because you felt the Lord was in it or or to do this ministry act or step of faith Uh, they seemed so clear at the time but now it's not so clear because you're in the midst of a storm well I think that this passage speaks into this area because when Jesus tells us to do something then we can be sure that somehow sooner or later it will come to pass and in fact often we can assume that when Jesus calls us to do something, that we're going to have to weather a few storms on the way. It's part of the way that the Christian life works. I quoted earlier on in the services about James. uh, James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it all joy, brethren, when you go through various trials or storms, or you get battered. Because these various trials and testings, they're there to mature you and strengthen you so that when you come through the storms, you find yourself there on the other side. You know, if Jesus had simply said to the disciples, cross over to the other side, and there was no adverse weather, then they would have simply rode across, got to the other side, and they would have learnt nothing. They would have learnt nothing about the Lord, and they're about to learn a lot about him. They'd have learned nothing about themselves, nothing about storms, and nothing about Jesus Being the Lord of storms. If Jesus said, I'll catch up with you later, and there'd be none of this adverse winds taking place, they would have got to the other side, none the wiser. But in this story, a lot of things took place. And when they finally got to the other side, they were transformed individuals. It seemed quite a simple thing go to the other side of the sea. By the time they'd got to the other side of the sea, they had been totally transformed in themselves and totally transformed in their view of who Jesus was. It was one of the greatest events that would ever happen to them. But they didn't feel like it was a great event when they were being battered by the waves. Three o'clock in the morning, bailing out your boat, battered by the waves, Jesus nowhere to be seen. You've got to imagine what a terrible, cold, wet awful experience of fear this was but you see while they were going through it guess what Jesus was not unaware what was going on in fact I have a picture of my mind of Jesus up on the mountain far above the sea and as this terrible weather front moves in as it does in in, into the sea at, 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 at that time that he was above it on the mountain and he could look down and perhaps with the the eye of the Son of God, maybe he could even see through, certainly prophetically, he could see where they are, and he had a picture of them there struggling in their boat. But he was at the best place that he could be at that time because Jesus was praying for them. He was there in prayer. Now, this is a picture of where Jesus is right now. He's not up some mountain on earth right now praying for us, far better than that. He's on the mountain of God. What I mean by that, not Mount Sinai, but I'm talking about the mount of the new Jerusalem in heaven, that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He's not praying for some mountain down in in the Lake of Galilee, but he's whispering in his Father's ear. He's that close in heaven right now. And Hebrews says that he lives evermore to pray for us. And so there's a situation that sometimes we can feel, where's God? He doesn't feel close. I prophesied about that earlier uh, 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 where is God? But you've got to know that Jesus is in the right place right now. He's in the right place. Oh, Lord, if only you were here. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. Martha. Oh, if only you were here, Lazarus had died. It doesn't work like that. I delayed myself three days so that you could see the glory of God, you see. And sometimes, Lord, where are you? Why haven't you come through? If you had, it wouldn't have been so. Wait a second. I'm far more in control than having to be where you want me all the time, fixing things best place that Jesus could be, is there at the right hand of the Father praying for us. He says, it's, it's better for you that I go away. I'll send the Holy Spirit, but I, I can serve you better in intercession and prayer. I can serve you better in the Holy of Holies than I can being right where you are. I can serve you disciples in that boat better where I am right now, because if I was in the boat." Then you're right, none of this would have been happened, and you wouldn't have learnt and experienced the glory of God. And so there's a picture there for us. Even when you don't think he's involved, when you're confused, and and you can't see because you're in the midst and the midst of the storm with the waves, you just can't see in front of you. Jesus has a clear view from heaven. He sees exactly what's going on, and he's praying. Praying, praying, and making sure that exactly what he wants to happen to get you to the other side of this situation takes place. And not just get you to the other side, but get you to the other side wiser, fitter, stronger, more mature, more complete, and full of his glory. Anyway, the time comes when he needs to cross over. And so there they are struggling and uh, he's walking. In, in, in some of the versions, we get this picture of Jesus and, and it describes it as if Jesus was actually passing them by. It's like, well, he's going to the other side and they'll make it eventually because I've just prayed them through. And yet the, the disciples spy them and it says that they saw him walking on the sea and they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. You see, they were so submerged in the natural situation that they were in that they didn't realize that the supernatural can invade the natural at any time. Has God ever surprised you with a supernatural invasion? Has he ever, have you ever been in a situation where you just keep on keeping on and, and, and things are just happening? It's just It's just normal, routine, natural living. You're trusting God, but you're not seeing any breakthrough, and then all of a sudden, God steps in, angelic visitations take place. Not that you see angels, but God is sending. Super, God intervenes. The supernatural begins to display itself. The miracle worker begins to work his miracle, and because you've been going through the natural for so long, it's astonishing. It's amazing. It's incredulous. What is going on? Things are happening. Uh, I've waited so long for this. I've I've been in the storm for so long. I've been traveling so long. But now, all of a sudden, I can see that supernatural events are now colliding with my natural events. And I'm seeing things, and I'm finding it hard to believe what I'm seeing because what I'm praying is now coming to pass, and I can see there is a divine passing coming by in this situation. Uh, When that's happened to me on occasion... I found it quite frightening because you're trusting and you're believing and You're learning, and you're growing, and you're rowing, and you're trying to get to the other side. You know, I don't understand what's going on, Lord, but I'll stay faithful at the oars, rowing according to your command, trying to get to the other side, although I seem to be going backwards rather than forwards. But I know this is the place you've sent me to. I know this is what you've called me to do. I know this is the path you told me to do, although I doubt, I do have my doubts at times, but I'm keeping on. I'm just keeping on because I don't know anything else to do but that which you've called me to do. And then suddenly things begin to get spooky. You say spooky. Yeah, well, they got spooky for them. Spooky is when, you, is when somebody sees a ghost. And they got spooked because the supernatural in the midst of this natural that seemed so in control, the natural world seemed so locked around these disciples. The weather conditions were battering. And it was like the weather was almost saying, there's nothing you can do about it. And they tried their best. There's nothing you can do about it. And the wind was blowing them back, almost saying, you think you're going to get to the other side? Well, you don't realize the natural forces of this gale. You just keep rowing. You're just going to stay right where you are. You'll be lucky if you get away with your lives. And the natural order of things was speaking so, so loudly for so long, and they were so wearied, three o'clock in the morning, that when the supernatural began to walk past them uh, that came from Jesus, it spooked them out. They were terrified. It's a ghost. If they were frightened to begin with about losing their lives, they were now frightened about the, uh, uh, the incoming of God. Let me tell you something. God is fixing in these days at the right time to intervene so supernaturally in your lives, in my lives, and the people's lives, that we will be terrified. We'll be like, this is holy ground. We'll be like, I can't believe that this is happening. We'll be like shaking ourselves. We'll be, is this happening? Am I, am I, this, this, is, this is incredible. And the beautiful thing is, is it? it becomes more incredible, more amazing, and more, more wonderful the longer you've been in the storm, the longer the natural course of this world has been seemingly dominating and calling the shots. The world calls the shots. Uh, the, the ungodly calls the shots. Circumstances call the shots. And God allows that. He's, there's a reason for it. There's a reason. It's the test. And then when, when God begins to break in, and He will show all of us if we're faithful in the storm, He will show all of us in this life His glory. He's not just waiting for heaven one day, but God wants us to sample and to experience great intervening powers. Uh, his great intervening power in this earth. But but we got we, we got to realize that, that when he when he when it comes, He wants us to enjoy it at its best. You know, you go through a storm. The bigger the storm, the sweeter the deliverance. You're trusting God. You're trusting God. You're trusting God for something, believing God for something. And and because the longer you've trusted, the more you've cried out, then when it comes, the sweetness, the amazement, the glory, the love, the gratefulness piles it on. He understands the way that we think. He, He doesn't give things easy. Do you know that? Because the things that he gives is so precious that it can't be given easy. He doesn't want them to be trampled on. And so here he is. He comes in, he's, he's there, and they're spooked because they're beginning to see in this natural situation, they're beginning to see an inbreaking of another world, of another law, of a different order. Because guess what? People don't walk on the water. I, don't know if you, I bet you've tried it. I tried it. As kids, we used to go to the swimming pool, and then we used to go to the edge and and see who could walk on the water. Well, obviously, it didn't work, but that's what you do, and you, you sort of walk out, and you'd sink. So here's something contrary to the natural power that was so dominating. I want you to reflect on that. Contrary to the natural power that seemed so dominating. This is where faith breaks through when it seems so dominating, so never changing, so routine, so ongoing, so no breaking in, then what will happen is sooner or later, when, the, when, when Jesus decides, they'll come in an in-breaking that will be contrary to what has been subjecting you for so long. Not that the storm was subjecting them. The storm was their friend. They didn't know that, but it was. It it wouldn't even surprise me if Jesus prayed the storm to come. Go on, off you go in the boat. Father, send them the gale of gales. Send them the gale of gales so that by the end of this experience, tomorrow morning, they will be totally transformed in their understanding of us and their understanding of themselves. And so, there they are. And then Jesus, is, I love the word, The immediately is here a number of times. Immediately he sends the disciple away. When they cry out in fear, immediately he speaks to them, take courage, it's I, do not be afraid. Didn't give them that, that, that one moment of fear, wanted them to know. And then later we find when, when Peter uh, falls in the water, immediately he stretches out his hand. Now, here's another prophetic, well, I believe it's prophetic, you decide yourself, but here's another prophetic inkling that I have about this Scripture, and it's Peter when he got out of the boat. Because if Peter had stayed in the boat, I don't know, I reckon Jesus might have got in the boat, He did in the end, the storm would have calmed and they would have got over to the other side and they would have learned a lot about the Lord and a lot about themselves, a lot about circumstance, and a lot about Jesus being Lord over natural circumstances. But Peter did something different. Peter recognized it was Jesus, and he saw a divine possibility to walk on this very water of tribulation. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd have stayed in the boat. The rest did. It's like, oh, Jesus is coming. Great. Uh, Shall we get out and meet him? No, he'll walk this way. He'll walk this way. We're safe. Well, let's just stay in our boat. But Peter saw a possibility of walking supernaturally in the very storm that was intimidating him. They were waiting for Jesus to come to them, but he wanted to come to Jesus. He said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Here's the storm. Jesus is in the storm there's been a recognition that the Lord is here. The Lord's in it. The hand of the Lord is here. And so Peter says, I want to come towards you. What can I do to come towards you? And it's like, well, you can come towards me, Peter, but I'm walking supernaturally. So if you want to come towards me in this natural storm, you're going to have to walk a supernatural walk to me. There is a way that when you're going through test, trials, difficulties, or obstacles, challenges, like this challenge is a picture of, there is a way of stepping up and turbo boosting the faith that you've got. I mentioned last week about, the two, about two types of expression of faith in Hebrews 11. That there's the faith that continues and just trusts the Lord, never gives up. That's very important faith but there's also the breakthrough faith, the faith that gets up and touches the hem of his garment, the faith that gets up and shouts and won't be silent. son of David, uh, heal me of my blindness, the faith of the Sy- Syrophoenician woman that won't take no for an answer even when Jesus says no and presses in and gets a miracle, the faith of the centurion that says, don't even bother coming to my house, I know authority when I see it, just say the word. You see, that is a faith that doesn't just believe God, but actually sees opportunities to step out and do something different. And so Peter, in the midst of the storm, thought, how can I walk more supernaturally in this? Not just weather the storm and keep believing that sooner or later God will get me through, but to do something supernatural in it and come towards Jesus. Now, this can, this can often happen in many different ways, and I'm not saying what way it could happen, but, 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 but it's, it's, like, it's like the widow. She had no money, but she had the widow's mite. It was all that she had. So what did she do? She didn't keep it and say, well, hopefully, you know, I'll get just enough food to continue until maybe God will give me another mite. But she said, you know what? I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to sow my widow's mite. You think that's crazy? No. What that is, if the Holy Ghost is in it, which it was, because Jesus mentioned it, that was her in a terrible financial situation, taking her last might and then giving it to the Lord and coming towards Him supernaturally in a situation that she was also trusting Him supernaturally, like the woman when when the prophet said to her, Elijah said to her, you know, make me a cake with the last of your of, last of your things, and and she took all she had just for her and a and a boy and she made, and she did something. So that means that, that when you're in a situation and it's all natural and you are trusting the Lord to bring you through and He will, ask yourself, what can I do to walk towards Jesus in this? It, it could be your attitude to someone who doesn't like you, who's causing you a problem. Uh, I said a few uh, Sundays ago, how can we love our enemies when we keep cutting them out of our lives? Jesus says, love your enemy, but you look at Facebook and you see all these Christians talking about, get those toxic people out of your lives, bless God. Don't spend time around people that don't value you as you should be valued. Now, I understand that there is a time to withdraw from people that, that that aren't there. But but surely some of these people are our enemies. We keep cutting out our enemies. We've got no one left to love. So God gives us new enemies. And then we cut them out and says, What are you doing? I'm trying to get enemies in your life so that you can do a Peter and in the midst of this difficult person, step out of your boat and start loving. You're coming towards Jesus in a situation where you could just stay in the boat and say, God deliver me from my enemies, God deliver me from me. God help me get through, get me a job, a different department away from this enemy. Now, God will be with you. He'll get you to the other side. But to step out and say, right, what can I do to bless my enemy? That's like Peter getting getting out of the boat. And so there are situations where you are in where you don't just have to keep rowing and acting naturally, but you discern that the Holy Spirit is stirring something in you Uh, Jesus is coming close to you, and you say, what can I do here that's different? What can I do? So Peter got out of the boat, and in the storm, he came closer to Jesus, and he had his eyes on Jesus. I want to come to you in this situation closer, Lord. Jesus was close enough to save them, but in the situation, Peter said, I want to be closer to you in this. We can be closer to the Lord. Do you know that? Whatever situation we're in, good, bad, indifferent, whatever we're in, we can actually be closer to the Lord than we are. And one of the ways of being closer is to find out what can you do by faith to get closer to him, to get his attention, if you know what I mean. They already had his attention, but Peter had his special attention. He said, how can I get closer to you in this? How can I come nearer you in this? And the Holy Spirit will tell us what we can do to come closer to the Lord in something that we might otherwise simply weather, and God will get us through, he's faithful, but there could be something where we could do even more, learn even more, uh, and accomplish even more, and see even more. So he did. He got out of the boat, and he walked, and he came towards Jesus. He did what Jesus was doing, and he he believed Jesus' word, and he put Jesus' word come into a radical action of getting out of the boat and uh, began to walk on the water. And while his eyes were on the Lord, everything was fine. But it says, seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink. You see, Sometimes in the midst of that natural thing, and we see God, and we discern God, and we say, Lord, what can I do in this situation that isn't just weathering it, because I know you'll get me to the other side, because you promised, but to do something that, that, that's, a, that's, that's a faith of discipleship, to come towards you, to be closer to you in this situation. What must I do? What must I pray? How must I act to get closer to you? And then you've got your eyes on him. And in a storm, the best place to have your eyes on is Jesus. When you're confused, when you don't understand how things are turning out, when things have gone quiet and and, and you can't seem to get any movement or motion in your life, the person that you should be focusing on is, is the Lord and coming towards Him. And so He did. But I don't need to work this out because I don't need to go... F- any deeper in this because it's always there in every sermon. He took his eyes off the Lord and put his eyes back on the circumstances. There's an obvious, obvious point there. And Jesus said, you have little faith, why did you doubt? How wonderful. But he did pick him up out of the water anyway. And then, then when he got into the boat, the wind stopped and they worshipped him and said, you are certainly God's son. Do you know, I know you believe, most of you here tonight, that Jesus is God's son. But it's one thing... To know that he's God's son and believe he's God's son. And it's another thing to see God's son manifest his power in your life. It's one thing to see him step in. It's one thing to see him bear his arm. It's one thing to see him intervene. It's one thing to see him come through. And then you're seeing and you said, knew, I knew you were God's son. But now I really know you're God's son. Because I've seen some of your action."